Okay, tell her I gotta ask you something. Yeah. Now that now that we're off the air. Okay, you're a scientist. You've gone to school for I don't know a couple of years. Um, a couple of years. You can you can you know trace dots and and do connect the dots and stuff like that. You're pretty smart on things. There's a question that we need to have answered, and since you are a scientist and are you know smart with these things. Um, this has been something that's been going around for a while. It's not, do you call it pop or soda? It, we've moved beyond that now. <laughs> um, what we really need to know, and this is truly important, is a potato a vegetable? Welcome back. <sighs> Here we go again. <laughs> it's a tuber. I'm just saying it's a vegetable. It's been confirmed by a scientist who's not a flat earther. It's a tuber. This is what we've beaten our heads against the wall for. You walk in and go, oh, you know what? I feel like vegetables today. Let me have fries. Listen, you fat bastard. I got fries too. Lobo just doesn't want to believe that a potato is a vegetable. You! He's going to get disbarred over this, Lobo. You know that, right? Probably. Well, you know. Yeah. Get a good run. Actually, it's it's too late. It's been a few weeks since we've done a show together. We did the intro for your episode of The Spark together very quickly, but we haven't actually put together an episode of Project Archivist together in some, some time. And a lot of it has to do with the scheduling. You, you've you had stuff going on with your family and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, and the other problem is, is I've had hell with my internet provider. <laughs> it's shitty. Straight up shitty. Well, we're getting ready sometime. Well, the, I, so much stuff happened in the last couple of weeks. I had to get another car and, and the, we didn't have internet for almost two weeks. We were fighting with our internet service provider. And I ended up losing a couple. I lost uh, an episode of my show, which fortunately that person may be rescheduling tomorrow. I was supposed to go on Ozone late night with Joe when we were going to do a show, and that all fell apart. Um, and then there's a good chance that next week I might ha- I might not have internet for a majority of the week because we're going to be switching companies again or something. We'll figure something out. I don't know. So we've just not been able to do a show together. So we've been doing these off-the-wall sideshows um separately when we can record them and when we can manage to get them posted or actually when i can because you record yours and then you send them to me and then i edit them mm-hmm. and post them back up and all that kind of stuff so that's just how things have been working lately and there's a good possibility that there won't be a show next week well there will there probably will in some way or another but it won't be a show of me and you together um and then we've got August coming up, and we've already got guest booking into August because we we're supposed to have Timothy Renner on here to talk about Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. We keep going back to Pennsylvania, oddly enough, and then that fell yeah. through. <laughs> no. So, and then this week, um, God, I got one, two, three, four, five, six books came in from this week. Um, of potential guests, and the problem is, is you don't have any of them. I have none of them. <laughs> Great. Corvus was cool. Uh, Eric Vernon, Corvus Nocturnum. Uh, we've yep. had him on here many times. He has a new book about Lilith, Lilith from the ancient lore to modern culture. He cool. sent me an advanced copy of his new book about Lilith. Out. So, it's mine. Um, what's that? It's mine. I did pay for this, so I, this wasn't sent to me yeah. <laughs> as a gift. And then. The other two were sent to me as promos, and one of them is Cincinnati Cemeteries, Hauntings, and Other Legends from Roy Hauser, and then Brian Clune, who has a podcast, 
uh, Death Murder and the Paranormal Aftermath, Hollywood Obscuria. Both of these books look really interesting. And I've got one that I'm dying to get a woman on here for. We eventually will get to the show here, people. Just bear with us. We haven't talked in a little while. Um, this is a woman, this, this book, I'm dying to get this person on here, and I hope to God I can get her on here. It's a book called Playing Dead, A Journey Through the World of Death Fraud by Elizabeth Greenwoman. This is a book about a woman who faked her own death and was caught. And I thought that was really interesting to go look into that concept. So these are all potential shows we got coming down the road. Then we got Timothy Renner's book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we're going to get them. Anyways, now it's good. Get, everybody good. caught up. <laughs> Tonight we have good friend of the show, returning guest, Tyler Cokejohn. Um, I'm not going to say what Tyler does for the most part. He introduces himself at the beginning of the interview. Roughly, I will say he is a person that's involved behind the scenes with working extensively with genetics. He goes into his whole background at the beginning of the interview. Uh, if you are a new listener of the show and you've picked us up since we moved over to Podbean, you haven't heard him yet. Tyler is somebody we've had on the show many, many times, and it's usually dealing with gloom and doom about the possibilities of genetic research, uh, the possibilities of where super viruses can go, all of these different things. And he usually does a pretty good job of scaring the living shit out of us. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's good to have that. But he's also been involved in the world behind the scenes of UFO research and, and checking into claims of things and uh, research into the paranormal on a much different level. And we don't really talk to the guy a whole lot about that kind of stuff. In tonight's show, we talk about um, what's going on with the, the movement and genetic research as it's happening now because things in the medical field in terms of genetics are rapidly doubling exponentially all the time at this point. It's There's to a point now where you can order a kit off of the internet to do CRISPR, which we talk about. If you don't know what CRISPR is, we do explain it on the show. It's essentially, it's uh, for layman's terms, I'll say, picture genetics as a Lego set, and you can build what you want out of genetics. It's getting to that point very quickly, and it's going to have very serious ramifications. Um, and we talk a little bit about that in this show. Uh, we talk a little bit about uh, some of the research he's done uh, with viruses and things like that and how these projects have gone and failed. We also talk about, um, what do you call it? Myth, uh, I can't say it right. Myth, <laughs> myth info. And once I start thinking. Myth information. Yeah, as soon as I start thinking, thinking like Mike Tyson, I can say it. Myth information, uh, which has to do with the um the alien skull head that they talked about in Ancient Aliens. Well, he's got a blog now, and he finally got a blog. And he talks about a lot of this stuff, so we had him on here to talk to him about it. And mostly we just shoot the shit with him because we haven't talked to him in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And it was good just to reconnect with him and talk to him. Tyler is a very straight-laced um, scientific guy. I mean, he's the real deal. He's legitimate. He's very much into the scientific field. Um, he does a lot of big research, and he's really into this stuff. And then we come along, and, and both myself and Lobo are jackasses. We're kind of clowns. Now, we've said... Well, we are clowns, but we've always said, though, we've always maintained that even though both me and you are kind of clowns and we're clowning around, we do take a lot of the subjects that we talk about very seriously, even though we do put a humorous spin on this stuff. Most of that is to try to make some of the stuff palatable or just, you know, not make it as dry. So that's and then Tyler comes along and he's kind of a very straight laced guy. But I did notice in this episode he's loosened up a whole lot. Oh, yeah. He's definitely gotten used to being around us, and he's mm -hmm. he's got more of the let's go to the bar mentality with us, whereas before he was kind of like, do I laugh at this? Do I, you know, he's definitely loosened up a whole lot in this interview, which was really cool to hear. 
So uh, we're going to jump right into it. Some of this may be a little bit too scientific for you guys, and some of it might not be. We find it very cool because this is where things are going. This is the future. This is kind of like... Um, it's kind of become like the new black magic or the new it's it's and it's in a way in its own way it's a form of sorcery and the reason why is as i stated in the show genetic editing is kind of like you can go on the internet someone can put a recipe for something up there and it no longer takes a whole lot of skill to be able to pull these kinds of things off with genetic terrorism and you know replication of viruses and things like that and tyler always comes on the show and says yeah this is how you could do it this is how it could be done these are the ramifications and this is how serious this stuff could be and then we do step into the world of like you know doing dna research on alien babies and belief and changing people's opinions and minds and things it's i i love this show i think it's mm-hmm. an interesting topic i love these topics so and uh we will see you guys at the other side bye all right so returning to us after god it's been we're not even sure how long it's been since you've been with us i know it's been since before we moved over to the new server and the new feed and since then we've picked up a lot of new people so we've got Tyler Coke John with us tonight. Old time listeners of the show will know who Tyler is. You've been involved behind the scenes with various paranormal uh, ufology, myth busting, for lack of a better term. But every time you've been on our show, we've always talked to you about gloom and doom, genetic research, and things along those lines. So for the new people who might not know who you are, give us an introduction to you one more time. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I uh, teach microbiology at uh, Midwest University in Glendale, Arizona, and I teach uh, in all the medical programs and now veterinary medicine. I've got a PhD in biochemistry uh, from Loyola University of Chicago and uh, have been uh, really in this business for, it's getting close to 35 years. So uh, recently, uh, in addition to microbiology work where I I clone genes from bacteria and viruses, branched out into Alzheimer's disease biochemistry, which is kind of more of my uh, real roots. And that's because uh, there was a group here uh, locally in Arizona that was uh, working on some of these uh, problems. And I've been with them for almost 20 years. So that's how I've occupied myself uh, professionally. Now, normally when you're on the show, you make it a point to have me ask you where your loyalties lie and, and what you do and everything. Having just explained all that, do I still have to ask you that question? <laughs> yes, yes, always. And that's uh, something that would be appropriate if, if you're going to talk about uh, certain aspects of biotechnology as, as we will tonight or certain research efforts. Uh, my understanding of the subjects that we will dwell on uh, leads me to believe that I don't have any conflicts of interest. I, I don't have any professional associations with uh, people that I've written about in my blog or the work that I've written about in my blog. And I don't have any uh, financial uh, interests in CRISPR, genetic editing things, on, unless some mutual fund that I am in happens to own those. But I have no uh, financial or professional conflicts of interest. And if I do, uh, as we go along, if something comes up, I'll let you know. You know, it's funny because we've known you for a number of years now, both on the air and off the air. And um, when we first started interviewing you, I, I have you said you said that when I'm interviewing certain people or covering certain subjects that I need to 
kind of get where people are coming from. And I still find myself doing that all the time with certain guests. I always try to establish at some point in the interview um, what a person's beliefs are and what the topic that we're talking about. Not so much so, you know, if there's a slant or anything. Well, I guess I guess that would be that way. But it's you know, I find it important because what they're saying, what they believe, is going to is going to affect what they say and what they think. So I find it important to find out where a person's centered at on, on the topics that we're talking about. So, like, I, I was on the last episode that we did, uh, the one I just dro- recently dropped, where we were talking about uh, the UFO uh, movies of the, the documentaries in the 1970s. I kept asking, I'm like, so what, do you, what is your stance on this? And he's like, I like how you always try to paint me in a corner and try to get my beliefs out of me. And that has a lot to do with you directly from from drilling that into my head. Now, of course, I'm not going to ask somebody who edits for a blog or something like that if they have any financial gain or whatever, but I always try to get a picture of where the person that we're interview comes from. So, you know, I, I have you to thank for that. <laughs> well, I think it's a good idea. Uh, it'll certainly help clarify things. Uh, one of the, the problems with uh, biotechnology, with the new CRISPR-Cas genetic editing, uh, issues that has been that some of the uh, really top flight people, I mean, just these are Nobel Prize level scientists, are also heavily involved in companies, in the corporatization of the uh, technology. And there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that, but I, I think that you're absolutely correct that how they phrase things or what they maintain could very well be influenced by the fact that they could stand to be billionaires from some of these uh, inventions and and devices that are going to come forward. That could color their outlook. And I think it's important for people to at least understand where conflicts exist. So I'd, I'd say that's something that whenever you interview someone, you really ought to start with. Well, it's also we live in an age now of, of disinformation, you know, the the fake news thing. Um, now more than ever, you have the lobbyist aspect of politics, and so much of what we say and, and are ex- exposed to is so open to influence from outside sources at this point. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. Do you ever watch the show Adam Ruins Everything? Have you ever seen any of his things or anything like that? No. I have not. Well, it's this guy that comes in and like he'll come in and like uh, like the last one that I watched, which I'm going to bring uh, since I'm going that direction is uh, there's a thing on there where it talks about how low fat foods actually make people fat. And then it goes into this whole big thing about how back back in the day, the sugar industry actually lobbied to have um, fat as the cause of people gaining weight and to lowball sugar and make it look like sugar wasn't the problem. Where now, years later, we actually realize that is the problem, and fat isn't so much the problem. But it was all about how the sugar lobbies, the lobbyists came in and, and did this big marketing campaign, and how they actually took scientists and paid them to release all these facts and information about how, how sugar's not the problem, and, and eating too much fat is what makes you fat, and all this stuff. And that got me to thinking. I was like, wow, these, these people came in and just paid off scientists. Here, here's this money. Say that sugar is what does this to you. And it's like, well, the scientists and these people are putting these facts out are the ones that we're supposed to trust when we see this stuff on television. You know, have a have a you know have a low fat diet and blah blah blah. And all the low fat foods are usually high in sugar. And that's the point that they were getting to that the low fat foods really don't do anything. They're not actually helping you in any way, shape, or form. And it goes back to yeah, lobbyists were the ones that did all this and stuff. So we're now living in this age that. You have to question everything that you're shown and everything that you see. And, 
you know, it's like where do where do people's loyalties lie, and how much is money playing into all this stuff? It, it's it's a very confusing thing now. You know, it's it, it always has been, but I think maybe it's good that because now in this day and age, people are more aware of it. But I don't think it's making any difference anymore. <laughs> well, I um, I hope that you're right that people are more aware and perhaps a little more skeptical. Um, when did the sugar thing? I don't when, rem- when was all that going on? I, I don't remember. I think it was, uh, I, I want I, I actually don't remember it very well, but if you look up uh, Adam Ruins Everything, Low Fat Foods, and do a Google search on it, or anybody out there listening right now. It was in every- the 80s. I think it was earlier than that. I think it was... Uh, when it really hit was in the 80s. Yeah, and there was one doctor that was trying to disprove him and say, no, this is actually what the problem is, and everybody ganged up on this doctor, whose name I can't remember right now, but this is me coming to the show unprepared. But <laughs> the guy was kind of... The guy was really marginalized, and, you know, he just kind of died in obscurity, and now years later, they're like, hey, this guy was right. What this guy was trying to tell everybody was correct, and, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like that movie Idiocracy, you know, where... They're, they're trying to get everybody to drink this Brondo drink, and Brondo just goes in and buys the FCC and then, you know, buys everybody out. So Brondo is everything, and they tell people, drink Brondo. It's got electrolytes, and that's what plants want, and they can't get people to grow plants, but people are so stupid they believe what they're told. It was so, in the 60s. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was going to say. 60 uh, sounds right. 60 sounds correct. I was yeah. going to say 40-plus years ago. Um, it's something that, that's been out there for a long time. And uh, uh, scientific advice uh, is available for purchase. And uh, uh, back in the day, I was a consultant myself. And uh, really, ooh, you sold out, basically. huh? Well, uh, I, um, uh, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. For a biotech company, and uh, not to try to sway uh, the public. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a, a slightly um, smaller scale, but it is advice for hire. Okay. And it's, I mean, this is what happens. It, it's been with us for a long time. It's still with us today. And if you want to see a good example of it, uh, the general idea of um, getting your message out there, let's call it that, uh, uh, corporate mm-hmm. interests getting their message out, GMO foods are a great example. And um, one of the things that's come out recently is apparently there's a policy amongst uh, some companies that have a heavy stake is not to let claims that are contrary to corporate interests go unchallenged. And that's very interesting. So it's not like they have Twitter bots, but something pretty close to, as you say, marginalize people or uh, shout them down, however you want to put it. So we still, these issues of who speaks and for whom they speak are things that we should always keep in the back of our mind as something to at least be aware of. Yeah, now more than ever in the in the age of everything is fake news, you know, at this that seems to be the new trend where if something comes out and somebody disagrees with it, be it any side, well that's fake, that's fake news. That's, you know, it's getting to be pretty blatant and ridiculous. I don't want to go into any kind of politics or anything like that, but that kind of mentality seems to be being applied to pretty much everything, whereas if, you know, if if you disagree with me, then it can't be true. You know, it's like I have my facts and everything. And it's still like I'll bring it up with my, my one of my hugest pet peeves are the anti-vaxxers. And these people still are going strong. Uh, they're still out there. They're still pushing along. You know, there's there might be a few of those that listen to our show. <laughs> I don't think so. But the, there are the, the anti. 
<laughs> Great. The, the anti-vax people, every time I'm on your show, we almost always bring it up in some way or another. It just blows my mind that this continues to be a thing. You know, well, it's, it's, it's still very active and still very out there. But then again, the flat earth people are on the rise too, though. So... I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know where we're going, but uh, to shift gears back a little bit, since you did bring up the whole CRISPR situation, Lobo and I were talking before the show about some of the stuff we were going to throw at you. And Lobo, I guess I'm going to throw you under the bus real quickly here and just get it out of the way. Um, what was some of the stuff that you want to talk about with him along the lines of CRISPR? Because since you oh, were on geez. the show last time, um, Tyler. So much has changed. Last time, last few times you were on here, we were talking about genetically engineering humans. Would it be possible to engineer people to be as to, to, to uh, you know have dream children that they want to have? Uh, CRISPR was sort of it's it was it was just getting past its infancy. You know now everything has moved along to where you can you can almost get do it yourself CRISPR kits off the internet. You know there was there, there's people out there doing GoFundMe for CRISPR kits and stuff. So Lobo. Take it away for now, and we'll see where we can go with this. Well, I mean, like Rose said, when you first, when we first, we've been touching on CRISPR in and out for the last couple of years now, at least, and I think it's terrifying to a certain degree how rapidly this has gone from like maybe this could be done to oh my god, there's people doing this. Well, wait a minute before we do any of this. For people who don't know, let's do a refresher course here. Tyler, if you can do this quickly, what CRISPR is? Because there's probably people, what the hell is CRISPR? Is that a chip? You know, so. Yeah. It's the thing you put yeah. vegetables in to die. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then go from there. It is um, possibly one of the worst names ever devised. <laughs> but it's uh, clustered, regularly uh, interspaced repeats. And um, the what it was really was an observation in bacteria. When they began to do genomic sequences of bacteria, someone noticed that there were all these strange sequences that repeated themselves in, in really uh, tight clusters over and over and over again. And, uh, the, uh, they, and they had a strange pattern. But nobody could figure out what in heck they did. It took years. Only later was it recognized that that's a way that bacteria cells track what viruses have attacked them and remember them. It's a marker for the, the viruses that have attacked. In the CRISPR system, there's an enzyme that reads this. When it sees it in a certain context, like DNA coming in from outside, it basically clips it, cuts it. The power of the CRISPR editing system is that it allows scientists to go into very specific points which they can manipulate and uh, break open the DNA and change it at will. So it's given them, given scientists the ability to edit uh, the DNA sequences uh, with great precision and far greater ease than was ever possible before. And so that's what has led to the idea that Oh, well, you know, maybe if, just to pick one example, and as Lobo said, the speed at which we have gone from concept to clinic has stunned even me. Because mm -hmm. I, I, when we talked about this the last time, I think we said, well, you know, here's how it'll probably go. And the corporatization of this has been incredible. Uh, but the speed at which we've gone into uh, just about every direction with these uh, 
technologies has been amazing. But let's say you had um, a patient with HIV. The virus gets into the uh, patient's cells. It actually inserts a copy of its genome, makes a DNA copy of its genome, puts it into the cell just as if a normal gene, and then it'll go quiet. And one of the problems that we have is we can eradicate the virus under some conditions, but the quiet cells, when we stop the treatment, will come back. And mm -hmm. so the patient is never cured. But CRISPR might, in principle, make it possible to track that virus down and destroy it in situ. Because we could say, look, take the enzyme and say, look for this sequence. This is what we see in HIV and destroy it. And it has great promise. It hasn't worked. HIV is, is more elusive than we had thought. It mutates a lot. But this is the kind of power that you have. You can, you can send it out and get stuff. You can, you can make precision edits to cells. You could, in principle, in principle, cure genetic, certain genetic diseases that are caused by point mutations, say sickle cell anemia, for example. Mm. That'd, be a, that's a, that'd be a boon. You it would cure be. sickle cell yep. anemia. I mean, a, more people. It's not a huge number of people that are that are uh, stricken with it, but there's enough people where people would sit up and go, "Wow, this is actually doing something." Oh, and the, you know, the the kids that get it are, are so sick, you know, mm -hmm. and and they're going to struggle their their whole lives. And so, uh, yeah, there are things that this is absolutely, um, you know, a great hope. And it uh, looks like a wonderful benefit. You just have to use it carefully because, unfortunately, it doesn't always go. It doesn't always cut the sequences that we want it to. It's um, not perfectly targeted. Well, you bring up something in your blog. Well, go ahead, Lobo. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Go ahead. You bring up a thing in your blog. You've got a, a post in here. The biotech chickens have come home to roost, which, by the way, I will say – Every time you've ever been on the show, you've never had a book to sell. You've never had anything to promote. You actually have a real blog now, and it's I'm, I'm very happy about that. You finally <laughs> you finally decided to do something with all this stuff. Uh, I love the name too. I love the name of the blog, Synthetic Genetic Shakespeare's, um, which we'll go into in a little bit more. But you do have a post on here: the bio the biotech chickens have come home to roost. And you bring up in here that they want to, or they probably have at this point since you've posted this. They wanted to revive horsepox, a extinct virus. And the way they went about it is that they, whatever they didn't have to fill the gaps in this virus to bring this thing back around again, they just went mail order and, and got what they need off the internet to, to make this work. Um, two things about this. Do we really want to be bringing back extinct viruses, even though they say horsepox isn't going to, it shouldn't be harmful to humans? Um, things evolve and mutate, which is why everybody's so flipped out about the whole swine, the swine pig, the swine flu virus. Or was it avian bird flu? Was the other one, or did that one actually jump? I don't remember. No, that's oh, no, the it one. can. Yeah, it can. It can. <laughs> it can. Did you? Oh man, you're going to open up a whole can of worms. Did you see they had a first case of avian? Which one? Uh, because there's several different types. Yeah. Uh, what was it? H1. Oh man. Yeah, see, there's several different types, and they have to. It was the one that we were talking about. Okay, H1 die, <laughs> H1N1 yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, they're pretty. Uh, when when they get into people, they're pretty nasty. Yep. Uh, the uh, but there are several types. They call them high pathology avian influenza, and as soon as they're seen <clears throat> in the U.S., the rancher went on detection. If he will destroy his flock, okay, just wipe them out. Like they, this might make some of your viewers sick, but they might essentially suffocate them with carbon dioxide. 
um, fire extinguisher, for example. Hmm. Uh, not a great way to go. But um, if he does that, he can be compensated for the loss of the birds. If he lets them die, he gets nothing. Wow. So what they're trying to do is the second that the high pathology influenza viruses are detected in chicken flocks or animals, uh, they destroy them in order to prevent the possibility of it getting uh, leaping into humans. It's thought, you know, stamp these out. We're not going to let these things smolder and get going. But that's how scared of them we are. Mm, with good reason. Yes. Yes. So having said right. that, yeah. <laughs> do we really want to be bringing back horsepox and extinct diseases? And the other thing is the, well, we'll just order what we need off the internet. Is it? <laughs> no, seriously. That's that's the way you've got. That's the way you basically have it worded in here. I you, I can't remember. You said that's, mail order. This is exactly how it was put in the articles that I have. I only have news articles to work from. There's no primary publication yet because it's been rejected by two journals for various reasons. One of which uh, may have to do with uh, biosafety, uh, biosecurity concerns, and it's not clear. You know what. Uh, what the full reasons for the rejections were. But yes, uh, what was maintained uh, in the articles and by the uh, by the investigators is that, yeah, they just uh, ordered the fragments and cobbled them together. And um, what they, now it's not trivial. It's a lot of work. And, and, and it wasn't clear that they could make it all come together because the way the pox viruses are structured is they have funny single-stranded terminals at the ends that come together and uh, it's not easy to get that done but they did it and uh, they put it into a cell and made it work and they got out what we believe is an extinct virus is now back is that wise uh, did the biosafety people at the institution have anything to say I don't know uh, because it's, it hasn't been published yet. And what safety measures they took uh, are unclear at this stage. I'm sure they'll all be detailed. So, see, I'm not really that concerned with, as far as, like, that particular aspect of horsepox. I mean, if memory serves me correctly, isn't the way we found a cure for smallpox by people that had been exposed to cowpox? Yes. So, yes. I mean, I can understand, considering that, what we're having going on now with these anti-vax movements and all this other nonsense where, you know, disease that have been laying around for a while that we thought we had almost eradicated are popping back up again. I can understand why these people might want to be doing this just in the event of just in case smallpox rears its ugly head again. But the flip side is with crisp with this CRISPR technology being relatively available, I mean, is it that easy just to go online and order DNA fragments and things like that. I mean, yeah, this didn't this didn't require CRISPR. <laughs> this is this is even simpler. What you could do, what I went on to speculate later in the blog post, is that let's just say somebody uh, orders up horsepox, um, that would not raise a, a red flag. That's not one of the forbidden sequences. So the DNA synthesis companies have certain things that they're really not allowed to manufacture. So they're, they're not going to send Al-Qaeda a copy of smallpox, okay? Mm -hmm. They've already figured that one out. But what would be interesting is, let's just say that I go, oh, okay, I'll just build horsepox, then I'll crisper it into smallpox. Well, in, even still, in my if, garage. 
Yeah, it, or you could, let's say you make something that, God, here we go again. This is the path we always end up going down. Yes, with gloom and doom, we call bum, it. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it's like, all right, I can't make a virus that can wipe people out or whatever. Okay, cool. Well, maybe you can make a virus that'll wipe out cows, maybe chickens. Let's see if we can screw with the food supply. Let's see yeah. how much trouble we can do with this, this, and this. Exactly. You know, and, and then if exactly. you get somebody, because we've talked about, I, I'm not sure if you talked about it with me or if you talked about it with Joe over at Ozone, but the possibility of do-it-yourself bioterrorism, you know, um, to be able to pull this stuff off. I mean, sure, I'm not going to be able to get smallpox, but I, there's there's other things that I might be able to get or screw around with. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just kind of like, you know what? Here's a nuclear reactor. It's a small one, <laughs> but go ahead, play around with this, you know? Yeah. No, this is the, this is the big... The big worry is uh, the ramifications of what we have now are rapidly evolving technologies to, to the point where we can see how quickly it's gone in a year or two since we last spoke, uh, mm -hmm. how fast things are developing, too fast even for the scientists to keep up with. And that means that doing a risk assessment, like, well, it's just a small nuclear reactor sort of uh, thought, uh, even that may not quite work because these are going to build on each other. And so it becomes very hard to figure out what really is dangerous. And that, that was actually the point of uh, at the end of the blog post is that in the past, one of the things that the scientific community has insisted on is publishing the data. And I don't know if you remember, but yep. when we had the, the influenza debacle, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, they wanted to, to publish that plus the sequences. And my point would be, you know, guys, the information itself is dangerous, and and you're going to have to come to grips with that. Yes, it's scientifically interesting, uh, and it, it has some utility, but not enough to justify releasing it, in my opinion. And uh, I mean, the other people feel differently, and the, the scientific community was split on that. But the thing is, if you get out there, if 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 I wanted to do something bad with influenza. That article showed me how to get what I wanted, and it also told me something very, very important, and that is it was possible, because that was actually an open scientific question as to whether you could get the H5N1 flu that would go respiratory person to person, and uh, the model that they used suggested very strongly you could. And it also showed how one might do that. And uh, so now I go from, well, it'd be, you know, uh, interesting idea to, no, I know I can do it. And why is that important? Because if it doesn't work the first 12, 15, 20 times, I still know it can be done. And I just mm -hmm. keep turning the crank and turning the crank until I get what I want. Yeah, it's Pandora's box. It really is. But the thing was that prior to that, if somebody was trying, they might have tried a few times and said, oh, yeah, you know what, they're right, it can't be done, and given up. Now I know it can be done. So if yeah, we if reach you the were point, to, go ahead, go ahead. If you were just hypothetically, as, as always here, uh, if you were to put the tracers into the CRISPR and tell it, look, find this particular sequence that would allow it to become respiratory transmitted, if you knew what those were, if you knew what those markers were supposed to look look like, say you took it, you took it from, you know, uh, H1N1, 
and had that marker and said, okay, this is what something like what we're looking for. Could that be done? Yeah, I think it could. Jesus I Christ. It, I think it, in principle, it could. Um, the reason what was done, actually, if you think about it, um, no one's done exactly that. I mean, you, there'd be a lot of other um, issues that you'd have to, to figure out about which sequences exactly and, and other things about how they would function. But in 2005, 2006, uh, 1918 killer flu that had been extinct mm -hmm. was reconstituted. It exists. Why, why would you uh, do because, that? <laughs> uh, one of the questions is why was that flu so deadly? And they've been working at it and trying to figure out, you know, was it the, the hemagglutinin gene that starts the infection? Was it a little bit different? And yes, it is, but it doesn't fully account. Uh, it's been tricky. And so, uh, but the question and, and your dismay was shared by a lot of people is like, really? Really? <laughs> to, to do the whole thing? And, uh, but anyway, yeah, they were able to put that back together. So I'd say. It, wasn't that when they went up to the Arctic Circle? Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Fuck us yeah. all. <laughs> the impression yeah, I'm that I'm getting from this is very much like it's, to put it in practical terms, the way that I could digest it is it, it sounds like a gene is kind of like a hard drive that remembers everything it's been exposed to. So if you can dig far enough back in that hard drive, who knows what you could find in there, correct? Or am I going Oh, in a far? way, yes. That's um, Actually, there was a story not too long ago about reviving an extinct protein. And, that, and they went back and they went back in history and made the protein that kind of looks like what they thought was extant, you know, back in the, in the day, way mm -hmm. back in the day. So yes, you can, you can uh, infer how genetics uh, changed over time and uh, reverse that. So therefore, in theory, because you always hear about, well, I'll go like a sci-fi example. Should, we shouldn't open these old tombs because there might be viruses in there that long gone and extinct or whatever. But realistically, if our genes are passed on from one person to the next, and each person, there's, a, there's like a, a copy of what came before. If you were to take a gene and look at it as a hard drive, and the further back you dig into it, it's a matter of how far, how far back you could go. I'm sure the computing power would probably need to do so would be immense unless you shoot me down and say no. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, in theory, we could, we could actually take a gene and just go back and back and back and say, oh, this is something interesting. This is from like, I don't know, 200, 300 years ago or something like that. Because yeah. once somebody's exposed to it, what you're saying is because uh, of CRISPR, it says, okay, take a snapshot. We were attacked by this. Let's put this here in our memory bank. So when we're exposed to it again, we know what to do. Yes. So is it possible? Isn't that for, how they found plague resistant people? In a way, yes. The um, uh, With HIV, for example, they, they recognize there are people who are repeatedly exposed who never became ill and they found out that there were some genetic differences in chemokine co-receptors, how the virus comes in. Uh, so you can you can work backwards and figure stuff out. Yeah. That's funny you should say that. I was talking with a coworker today and he brought up, well, how come you can't take people that have been exposed to HIV that have beaten it? How come we can't go into their genomes, find out how they beat it, replicate that, and make a vaccine or something off of it? And I didn't well, have an answer way, for him. Uh, not necessarily a vaccine, but there there is a patient uh, who possibly may be cured. He's known as the Berlin patient. Mm -hmm. 
and he had um, he actually came down with cancer and what they did was they um, the whole body irradiated him to destroy basically his blood cells his blood cell uh, passive bone marrow and then they reconstituted him with one of these variants from person a donor uh, who uh, did not have the right chemokine co-receptor for HIV and so any uh, bug virus outside of that survived uh, the radiation would find that the environment was much more hostile and so it does indeed appear that uh, a cure has been affected in this patient. So if you look at, he's known as the Berlin patient, and they have quite a bit of information on him. Well, would we be able to read? Okay, say Magic Johnson, for example, who had, who had HIV, and then boom, it was gone. Would we be able to get his genome and say, how did you do this? Can we replicate it? We can we can look to try to see if he has a change in the receptors. It just doesn't allow the virus to uh, transmit itself very effectively. He, Magic Johnson is uh, exceptional, uh, and he may fall into a class that they term slow progressors, mm-hmm. that the disease just doesn't get going. Now, these people are unusual. They're, they're, they're not particularly common. Most, uh, left to its own devices, the average uh, duration of latency from time of infection to uh, clinical presentation, I mean severe presentation, is around seven to eight years. And so he's, what, three three times that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, but with <clears throat> CRISPR, wouldn't we be able to take, could, could you take CRISPR and be able to do something like that and replicate that and possibly put it into somebody else, or is it just not that easy? It's not so simple. Uh, one of the things is you, you would have to cover all of the cells that the the virus might like to get into, but nonetheless, uh, you, you may be able to uh, slow it way down. For example, if you could uh, take uh, uh, acquire the cells. I mean, one of the cancer therapies uh, for uh, uh, now is to take T cells and manipulate them and then pre- put them back into the patient. Uh, but what you've done is you've made them more aggressive tumor fighters, and so then you can you can with these um, lymphocytes and the tissues from the our cells from the blood those are more accessible and it's a little bit easier so uh, the rest of the the uh, body may be a little more challenging to uh, to manipulate all right well, let me loop back a little bit to something that you said earlier which has very little to do with what we're talking about right now so I kind of have to rewind it a little bit now you were saying earlier about how they've taken these diseases and they've brought them back and we're like, why would you want to do this? This is a debate that we've had many, many times before. I think we're in the same camp as you. It was like, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. But then again, <laughs> it's like the atomic bomb. Once the information's out there, once once it's found, it exists. It's like you said, now, okay, it can be done. We just have to find a way to do it once it's been proven to be able to be done. So with all of this stuff that we're talking about, have we reached a point where it's kind of like, here's a recipe okay, that's the recipe, now we can make that once they see it, because it sounds like things can be synthesized and made at this point. If you can go online or just go to mail order and order specific gene parts and things like that, is it therefore possible for somebody to put some kind of a, for lack of a better term, a genetic recipe for a disease and somebody look at that and go, yeah, I can make that? Yes. Outstanding. That was a quick, short answer. (laughs) It's... uh... Well, that's why. Um, so I'm trying to put this in terms where the layman can understand it, for the most part. And yeah, we're when screwed. you're saying this stuff, I'm thinking in terms of hard drives and recipes and <laughs> adding chemical B to chemical C. Even though it's having on a, on a microscopic level, this is essentially what you guys are kind of talking about. 
Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's Am so I fucking oversimplifying bad. it. <laughs> is gonna get in here, and I support that. Okay, that's how bad it is. Say that Ooh. one more time. That uh, the defense agency DARPA. or the defense advanced research project agency DARPA. Yep. yep. Is getting into the the genetic manipulation uh, research. Uh, and control uh, uh-huh. countermeasures because they see the potential for, well, you know, uh, I guess malfeasance uh, that uh, bad actors. Uh, there's there, there are concerns, and so they're they're going to try to get ahead of the game as much as possible. Are uh, we talking rec- super soldiers here, or well, not so much super soldiers, but gene drives uh, and uh, uh, CRISPR Cas for. Uh, more uh, nefarious purposes, like we, we talked about, what would happen if you killed all the chickens? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Example. Uh, and so the, these sorts of powerful tools that replicate themselves and and do your genetic bidding, spread through the population, uh, once released, those those could be uh, really difficult to cope with, and that's one of the the worries that we have. Uh, and again, none of these tools exist yet. That, that we know of but because um, the, the image like, that I'm getting now is like a Walter White cooking up meth inside of a, a mobile home kind of scenario where somebody's in a mobile home with a computer and a small lab kit just making this stuff yeah except his meth would spread across the world and kill us all that's the best kind of myth. Yeah. Man, we were yeah. on such a positive <laughs> note, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's the thing that, that that's why I say that, that DARPA getting in there would uh, ordinarily be uh, something that you would expect very quietly. They've, they've gone in quite publicly. And so I, I don't know exactly what that means. But, yeah, that's uh, weird because DARPA usually keeps their stuff quiet because they're... You know, it, it, they do and they don't. Uh, but in this particular instance... They also recently had a group. Uh, you've heard about the Jasons. You know who they are. Mm-hmm. They're a, they're a group of uh, of selected scientists. Uh, I actually I have no idea who they are, and I'm not sure that it's it's uh, out there. But these people are drawn from the government to come in and and do exactly this. That they'll spend the summer looking at the problems with CRISPR. What what might happen. Uh, where might it go? Where are the opportunities? Uh, and they're largely academics, and uh, and so they'll brainstorm and come up with recommendations and plans. And the Jasons have uh, taken an interest and in, uh, a look at uh, the uh, gene drive issues, and that actually just came out in Nature. So it's it's interesting that they're uh, they're moving in these directions. That's going to be a problem. It's well. I think you're right, and I, I think that they're trying to do everything they can proactively, so that if there is something, uh, an accident. Now, one of the the principles that um, is is helping the the Jasons and others understand this. Kevin Esfalt says he's a lot less worried about bioterror than he is about bio error, and, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. I think there is to that too. So, uh, but anyway, either either way. It's something that we have to. You got to have a kill switch for this, okay? You can't, you can't just throw it out there and go, oh, "Yeah, we forgot about the safety." Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be a Jurassic Park all over again. Yeah, without the, the charm. stand. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> It'll be the stand, is what it's going to be. Um, 
it's strange that you talk about this because like at one time nuclear wasn't a thing and then boom it was a thing and then it became its own separate field of science and learning about okay this is the bad things that can happen with nuclear and blah 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 and now it's this whole thing i can foresee a time very soon where just this branch of science is going to go off to become its own thing instead of this like, like a little offshoot thing it's going to become its own main branch of science because it's the next greatest thing i may have said this before in other episodes but this is the next greatest thing to come along since you know nuclear the discovery of nuclear power nuclear energy for the most part it's a whole new realm where much like the internet and much like technology things are developing so fast that you wonder can we get laws fast enough you know can we get people that are in power who make these laws and how can we get these people to understand this stuff fast enough and it's replicating so quickly just since we've talked to you last time how quickly because CRISPR was kind of in its infancy and we were talking about it then and it was just kind of discovered back then and now it's just like you see this CRISPR thing all over the place so it's uh no, you're absolutely correct, and it's it's one of those things that the the thing that has has stunned me is the uh, quick commercialization because the potential is immense that that people do see that they could use this very profitably and and with good effect for all of us. I mean, it would be a, a benefit. Don't get me wrong on this, but yeah, but um, the gene patenting is, issues alone, you know, you because just. Because we talked before before about how how gene patents work, how you create how you create a gene and then you patent that gene and that gene becomes becomes your company's, which I'm sure you've dealt with many times. You know, we uh, yeah, actually in the the biotech company, uh, one of the things that was um, interesting is trying to get secure the rights to a virus, and it is uh, uh, tricky because. It's a living entity, and so there's always some mutations and things. And one of the things the FDA wants to know is what is its purity, and and you know how exact can you tell us what the uh, actual composition of this thing you're going to put into your patient is. But uh, we had a guy, uh, John Sunsmo, who was uh, some kind of genius. He got everything we wanted from the patent office. Everything. And so, and yeah, we had information. We had stuff <laughs> locked up so tight. Yeah. So, so you could actually patent a living organism at this point, is what you're saying. Ed. A virus is kind of betwixt and between, but Sunsmo was able to secure the rights that that we needed. You know, whatever we wanted. We we had a virus that I, I had never seen anything like it. And, and they told me uh, what it would do, and, and I said, no, that's impossible. And then about a week in, into working with it, I said, no, you're absolutely right. This thing sterilizes cultures. It doesn't just kill. It sterilizes. Scorched I mean, earth, huh? Just amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely astonishing. Wait a minute. <laughs> so That could be a good thing, too. You're talking about a virus that it's an actual like a disease kind of virus for the most part that once it get out there it gets out there it just kills everything. It only kills uh, Staphylococcus aureus, the bacterium. I can't see that being a bad thing. They no, mutate. and that's that's exactly what we were uh, interested in was trying to use it as an adjunct or even an alternative to antibiotics, which Staph was is still defeating mm -hmm. pretty handily. So um, yeah, but aren't you but, worried about it mutating? No, not at all. Why not? Viruses mutate. This is how. Yes, they do. This is why you have to go out and get a new flu shots every season. 
Yeah, now the, the influenza virus is a, a little bit different than this guy. This is a DNA virus. They're this guy. <laughs> but, You're uh, like, it's like, oh, he's cute. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, see, it's just like Walter White. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. His favorite product. But uh, the, the, the situation with the virus is that it's nominally stable. It, it, it only, it's constrained. It can't just mutate freely. And so the influenza viruses are a little different in terms of they just have to defeat your immune system. This is going so down a whole new branch in my brain here. So could you take this virus and specifically engineer it to go out and say attack cancer? Uh, not this guy, but others have done it. There are other viruses. Parvoviruses are, are actually mm -hmm. used among others to do that. And, and they will, they will uh, do what you need them to do if you get them targeted properly. So one of the things that's interesting about the uh, parvoviruses is they only replicate in cells that are actively growing. And so cancer is a really good target for it. And if you get it into the right cells, it's great. It's, uh, but you need to target it very carefully. So how close are we realistically to actually being able to cure some of this stuff? How far out is this? For um, like the staph infections? Yeah. Anything. That's virus? a huge one. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. You want to hear what happened to it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was a, a biotech company, and there were – I never met the investors. I don't even know who they were. I Spooky, worked with the but okay. CEO. <laughs> but they, they were people that had a lot more money than maybe common sense. Mm. And so uh, when as we began to accumulate data – one of the things that was necessary was to show it work in animals, and then we'd have to take it into a, a clinical trial situation. But the investors began to fight each other so bad that they destroyed the company. Ooh. So who owns the, the patents sits, now? The virus sits. I don't know who holds the patents. I don't, I don't know. What? How, how often do you see this happen? How, how often do you see where we're close to finding a cure for something, but for, it sounds like what you're saying, greed destroyed it. Well, I don't know if it was necessarily agreed, but um, maybe that was part of it. Like I said, I never met or spoke to any of the investors. I really did not know who they were. Because if and, you create a cure for cancer, my God, it's like, here, just Yeah, but that's, a, that's you can't really say a cure for cancer because no, there no, are this so is many different a, variants of it. This is a staph infection. Even staph. Because you, you can get flesh-eating bacteria. Staph is nasty. Yeah, flesh-eating bacteria goes fast. And it, well, yeah, ask, ask the guy that almost died from one of these damn things mm -hmm. Yeah, how great it would be. So, uh, and we were, by extension, we thought that we could also do some things for Pseudomonas aeruginosa uh, patients, uh, cystic fibrosis and burn patients die of Pseudomonas and staph very commonly. But mm. uh, uh, anyway, that's all not to be. Uh, now, other companies are working... Uh, in similar veins, uh, I, the, my consulting stopped, oh boy, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I haven't, I haven't done any further. I don't follow the field at all because it created nothing but trouble for me. Wow. Uh, good reason to walk away from it. Well, you see, the thing was that they would, I would get papers to review for journals and it had, sure enough, it had come from a company, and you know, and and go, I can't, I can't even look at this because they're going to claim that I infringed, you know, their their information or whatever. So I was having to send everything back, and I finally said, that's it. I'm either going to have to work in the biotech industry or become an academic, one or the other. Hmm. So and it was easy since they killed the company. 
I just yeah. my J job. <laughs> All right, let's switch gears. Let's go into the realm that we've never really gone into you, with you before. Even though you've had such an involvement with the world of, I don't know, I guess paranormal ufology, all that stuff. Now, you've got a thing on here, propagating myth information, which I feel like I'm Mike Tyson when I read that. Myth information. But <laughs> <laughs> you talk about my favorite show, Ancient Aliens, and... There's a section on there. I'll read the very beginning of this. The producers of Ancient Aliens have done something unique. In episode six of the current season, The Science Wars, aired 2nd of June, 2017, they conducted a scientific investigation of the elongated skull purported to be the Paracas region of Peru. An eminent and highly qualified scientist, Dr. Todd Disatel, who I've actually asked to come on the show and never did get a response, participated in the effort. Uh, Jason Colavito, I can't pronounce his last name, has posted a review on the full episode. And the the synopsis of this is they did some kind of a scientific test on this skull. And then from there, it just kind of went off into weird batshit craziness. So what's up with this? You know, this is, um, it was good and bad. Dr. Disatel is uh, one of the perfect people to ask to be part of the project because he would be able to carry it through and be able to advise them. So they picked a really good guy. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, these Paracas skulls, the stories have circulated about them. Are they alien? Are they not? Uh, here's a way to, to maybe get after that. So they started out well, okay? Good concept, kind of like the UFO hunters. Good concept and then just sort of flamed out. What happened was that they didn't get uh, anything really definitive, but that didn't stop the speculations and they kind of got carried away now scientists will do that one of the things that, that people out there don't realize is that in the discussions uh, scientific paper discussions they may go ahead and speculate about what will happen but um, then a lot of people want to take that and quote it as if scripture you know like well you said this but yeah then you have to come back and say yeah but that's fake news because I didn't really mean you know it's just a possibility Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be careful uh, how you listen to and quote and talk to scientists. And I, I think, unfortunately, Dr. Distel maybe got uh, kind of caught up in the show and, and uh, over-enthused about really preliminary data. And so where it stands now is, and, and the thing that I would uh, hope doesn't happen, is that it will never be completed, that they will never uh, get the... The sequences uh, established to a, a state of perfection where they can really say what went on and Dr. Disatel or what the what the findings are, and Dr. Disatel could publish his his results and his methods and everything, and colleagues could look at that and go, yeah, this is good, or oh, wait a minute, that's that's not right. So you're saying uh, you don't want them to ever actually find out what the results of this thing were? I w am afraid that they will just let it stop there, and that. Um, we can continue to speculate that, oh my God, uh, whole new human migration patterns, you know, uh, uh, this thing could be from who knows where. Uh, well, what, <clears throat> what, what did they find that they released? What, do you remember what information they found out that they put out there? I've never seen anything put out there. All I've seen are uh, statements on TV, and I don't know Ugh. that anything has been published. I haven't looked at it since I got back from traveling, so uh, uh, I can't tell you that there's anything more to come because all they're going to find there is. i would think because we we talked about this before we had an episode where we talked about bigfoot with uh, dna with a bigfoot thing 
And yeah. how at the most all they're going to find is unknown, you know, un, unknown DNA strand or something along those lines. Unless they find something really crazy like a trick. Angels. Yeah, angels, yeah. You can't say this is angel <laughs> DNA until you have the body of an angel to go. How do you okay. know they don't? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's that's part of what the problem with is. You're listen, shaped like a cherub. Maybe they took some DNA. I'm shaped like a there god. You go. I'm shaped like a god. That's all the data we need. Buddha. <laughs> Buddha. Yeah. I tell my wife all the time I have the body of a god, Buddha. <laughs> I mean, other than Sorry. saying that if they can say, okay, this is an alien, and here's DNA from that, now we have alien and DNA to say that this is alien DNA. And all of this stuff always seems to drop just short of ever figuring that out and putting that out there. And That's exactly where we are. Yes. So we've gone and nowhere. It, We're spinning our wheels then. It drops short. The data are inconclusive. I forget how it was actually stated. And so, you know, you can speculate, but I think that in the context of this situation, it should have said, however, we really don't know. So they got uh, apparently mitochondrial DNA. And then there was another uh, reference I put in there uh, where you can see that mitochondrial DNA doesn't always uh, by itself tell you the whole story. And they gave the example of Barack Obama. That if you oh looked boy. at. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. If you I looked saw at that. him, you would say, oh, he is Caucasian because all the markers are Caucasian from his mom. Yep. But we recognize that he's a little bit different than that based on what he got from his dad. Well, somebody posted on Facebook that there's uh, some island um, where they have genetic markers that don't match any known humans or anything like that. And the joke is, therefore, aliens, you know, <laughs> something along those lines. So, But then again, you have the Galapagos Islands where things there are so unique and so different from anywhere else in the world. And nobody looks at that island and goes, oh, aliens. <laughs> well, we still, we, we recognize that, yes, they have evolved in, in very unusual ways, but we still recognize them as part of terrestrial biota. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things you have to keep in mind is that uh, with the uh, Paracas skull, we, first of all, we, we assume it's a Paracas skull. We didn't get any of the... Uh, the sort of details that would be necessary in a scientific paper to establish the provenance of the of the item. Uh, so we're you know we're going to take them at their word, but um, it's still uh, mom had human mitochondria. Okay, mm -hmm. so if there were space brothers involved uh, with uh, the conception of this entity, uh, they had to be fairly genetically compatible with us. I mean, really close. So um, you're just not going to get very far with this. See, that's the thing. You, you We talk about, uh, well, we. I, I use the term we as in the royal we. You've done it but, again. <laughs> uh, it's spoken of as, well, you know, we have Neanderthal DNA in us, and we have Denisovian DNA in us. They were really, really, really close to us as far yes. as genetic, like really close to us, yes. like your cousin. If you're talking about something coming from somewhere else, they'd have to be a cousin or be able to get a hold of our DNA to be able to replicate enough of it for a transfer of genetic material. 
Yes, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's all so. Anakian. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that uh, Neanderthals are, I think uh, most people would recognize now, are uh, humans. Yeah. Almost yeah, I have relatives that look like Neanderthals. So regardless, yeah. <laughs> that's that's interesting. You know, thank you for sharing. We always no take you in the weirdest directions when you come on here, man. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're probably used to going on like scientific academic shows. I mean, you just came back from some conference on the other side of the world or whatever, <laughs> and then you come on and talk to us boneheads, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> well, no, it's not that. Way. You're like we we must dumb you down to some effect. <laughs> but this is this is one of the things that that bugs me about Bigfoot, because from since Melba Ketchum on, the the idea has been that these are humans, and but to have, I don't know if you recall the uh, paper that she oh, yeah. uh, put out there. I yeah, read we that covered it a long the, time ago. We, we, was, we, we had you on the show, and we covered it way, way, way back. I might have to yeah, repost that episode at some the, point. The very interesting things about the samples was apparently uh, they went out and tried to plug one. And um, that's not ethically allowed, okay? <laughs> These are humans. You are not... Let's be clear. You are not allowed to shoot them, drag them back to the lab, and do experiments on the body. Okay? Uh, I know it's wrong, but that's... Yeah. I know it's yeah, wrong. but if they're human, if they're human, <laughs> we all know that this kind of shit has gone on before. <laughs> yeah. It's coming you know? right at us. Boom. Oh, looks like we got a Bigfoot now. <laughs> I don't know. I was just worried that, you know, with the Bigfoot hunting and all this stuff going on, that eventually we we're going to have a tragedy. I mean, th you're familiar with the show Duck Dynasty? Yeah. You mean <laughs> you know, the fallacy that the is Duck Dynasty? Can be, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that Bigfoot or, or just shoot it? Shoot it. We'll worry about it later. Yeah. Sounds like you're in Florida. Shoot uh. now. Ask questions later. <laughs> Jesus. Science. Yeah, people get so pissed off at me, like the Bigfoot community does, because they're like, "Well, you can't just because I'm like, we need a body. We've got to have okay. If we if we fine, if we tranquilize one and get the DNA off of it or whatever, and then let it go or whatever. But until we actually get some kind of hard evidence to back it up with in some way, shape, or form, it's again, it's just going to be unknown DNA until we get the known DNA. Well, didn't if, we if have body in the circulating around in the back of a truck or something? Oh God. <laughs> Absolutely. God. We had one in yeah. the freezer, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Well, that brings us to what we were talking about before the show with those two new alien baby childs or whatever they're supposed to be from Peru that look like paper mache. The gaffs. Yeah. Gaffs. The gaffs. Yeah. And, but, you know, again, it's the same. When you go to that site to look it up and see whatever it is, they have a short video. Then it's to find out any more information, you have to pay a fee to be able to see more stuff. And now it turns out that it's going to be, there's supposed to be some big reveal at some UFO conference where you got to pay X amount of dollars to go to well, it. And, of course there is. And then you got to pay, you can pay an extra fee and have lunch with these people. And it, it's just, it reeks of have lunch. lunch with the bodies. Lunch? Cool. Yeah. You know, and, and then it just reminds me of way back when they had that big UFO conference done in Mexico where they had the uh, the pictures of the uh, the alien mummified baby, which turned out to be something completely different. And people <laughs> took Photoshop and were like, no, there's the plaque right there. It says Aztec mummified baby on it, you know. And that, well, was, you know, nobody even wanted, like, the Freeman, everybody's like, no, 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 we're not getting involved in this, you know. And that was the big thing that happened. It was some UFO conference down in Mexico. I've forgotten the details now because it was so long ago and so unimportant, you know. So 
whenever I see this stuff, you just look at it and you go, yeah, this this reeks of that. You can still watch the documentary on, I believe, Amazon Prime and Netflix of yeah. that whole nonsensical falderall that happened there. And this stuff just keeps, like, perpetuating itself, you know, over and over well, again. You know? One of the things that, that you've learned there, or I hope that everybody came away with, uh, and for the current situation is that it's really impossible to render a judgment from reviewing something remotely. Okay. Yeah. Now, the Roswell slides was even crazier because that was a picture <laughs> yep. for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. All right. And so I, I don't know what people like Richard Dolan were thinking, but I'm going to guess not a whole lot to, to come forward. <laughs> they were thinking I mean, dollar Jesus signs. Christ. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> you ever heard of something called evidence? No, I, I don't need that. I can't. Uh, uh, all right. What? Plenty of evidence. You got a picture. That. It's evidence. What do you need? Yeah, there you have. Yeah, it's a, this picture right there. It's and like, how long did it last? It's like that yeah. night that I saw that, going back to my UFO story, when I said I had a picture and it was just a white dot in the middle of a black screen. I deleted it and you flipped out on me. And you're like, why did you get rid of that? And I'm like, because it's a white dot in the middle of a black pa- black screen. It's not going to show anything to anybody. You know? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, as you recall, I disowned you. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Right. Asshole. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's Doctor Asshole. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Asshole. <So> the, uh, <laughs> that is the correct response. <laughs> the reason that I had to to take such a hard line is that it's data. And so it may not show anything at that moment, but you have a time, a date, a location. I have a picture of a white dot on a date and time. That was if somebody had showed that to me and said, "Here's a picture of a UFO," I'd have been like, "No, it, it's 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 okay, sure, dude." Okay, but if Subgruder had thrown his film away, saying, "Well, it's really not very well focused," all right? Yeah, you're and talking about the Bigfoot second. walking away. The, I, you know, th- this is. It's data. You don't know. And so you may get another piece of data later that you could contribute to. So you just don't destroy data. You save it. You safeguard it. Yeah, but in this day and age of everything being able to be faked and be mimicked and, you know, at this point, I mean, they've got a program out now that I don't know if Adobe's released it or not. This is something I was going to talk to Joe about on Ozone Nightmare. But um, here's a st- Okay, we, we've got a city not too far away from me called Warren, Michigan. And the mayor of Warren, Michigan, was caught on tape saying a lot of very racist and disparaging things um, about mentally challenged people, ethnicities, uh, old people. He was he was caught on tape saying this. And they did a voice analyze of his voice, and they said, yeah, this is it. And his defense was, that wasn't me. Somebody manipulated those tapes. Well, a little while ago, uh, at the last Adobe conference that just passed, Adobe is coming out with this program where you can talk into it and it can take and it can actually create words that th- you can rearrange. It can synthesize your voice, for lack of a better term, and you c- it can make it say whatever you want. Now, that program is still like an early beta or something along those lines. I don't think it's come out yet. But at the time that these tapes were made public... And at the time that this happened, the mayor said, oh, it's that program that people use that program to create these tapes. I never actually said this stuff. And the program doesn't exist. It never actually did exist. Well, it exists, but it wasn't available to the public, A. And B, if it does exist, I can't see with the damage that you can do with this, just taking out a local city mayor. You know, you could that that's kind of a small fish to take out in a very big pond. 
And people are like, oh, okay, yeah, he said that's what it was. He, he said it's not his voice or it is his voice and it's been manipulated. And I believe him. And if he says he didn't do it, he didn't do it. Ugh. And that's just the way it went. You know, um, uh, the name, the guy's last name is Fouts, Mayor Jim Fouts. And nobody even cares about it anymore. Nobody pursues it. And there are people that are angry about it. But the majority of the public just goes, okay, he didn't say it, that he's got he's got opposition out there, this is political, and somebody took his voice and manipulated it. So here you have a situation where you have evidence, it's been proven to be his voice, I've done a voice analysis on it, and they go, okay, there it is, and he goes, well, no, it's, it's not me, it's been manipulated and faked. Oh, okay, it's been faked, moving on. So <laughs> I go back to the standard of what evidence is real and worthwhile at this point? What evidence can you put out there where it's going to be absolutely irrefutably believed. And I don't think anything can at this point. Going back to this alien skull thing, even if they did do a DNA test on it and they did find some anomalies, it's just going to come back as anomalous DNA unless this thing actually is an alien skull. And they can say, yes, that is an alien skull. This is alien DNA and this is what alien DNA looks like. But unless you've got the same thing with Bigfoot, unless you've got a body to throw it against and say, this is a Bigfoot, this is the evidence we got from the body, now we have the two things to hold together, it's just not going to go anywhere. You're not going to... It's You're right, it's going to be hard. And we always have to look at the quality and source of the data and uh, and render a judgment about it. That's, that's absolutely essential. So, unfortunately, there's not going to be a simple way. We're not going to, in my opinion, get one picture that's going to change everything with ufos there have to be some other data if people Mm. refuse to believe it no matter what you throw at them they're not going to believe it i go back to the flat earther thing you there's nothing you can tell these people that are going to convince them that the earth is not flat no matter what you throw at them and you see it happening in politics you see it happening all the time where at what point does evidence really matter you know the the anti-vaxxers no matter you i've i've banged my head into the wall over and over again arguing with these people i don't do it anymore because it's completely pointless well they've got mercury and i'm have fun you know with your mercury the guy who did this stated himself i faked these i've been disbarred i faked these and well he well he didn't actually say that he said this this and this they got something they'll throw back at you um the, my biggest pet peeve my absolute worst pet peeve that i hate more than anything in the world of all conspiracy stuff is the sandy hook conspiracy people oh ah, that's pretty <laughs> pretty sad those are the people that, I mean, if there's one cause out there, well, there's actually another podcaster I've rallied against recently, but we'll go to that another time. <laughs> His name may or not be Gene, but um, you, you <laughs> no. I may edit that out. I don't know. Um, but you can't, you know, no matter, I, I think if you were to take the Sandy Hook people and go to, the, and go, to, go to a cemetery and dig a body up and show them this is a child that was killed. It would still be like, no, they planted that there, and you knew we were going to come here, and we knew you knew we were going to dig that up and find that body. That's not it's, that, that can't be real, you know, because that's just the way that things are. Once people get a belief mindset in their head, you, you might be able to, you know, you, there will be a rational group of people out there that'll say, okay, yeah, you've proven this to me, but there's there's still always going to be fighting a battle, you know. It's like I don't, I know, I think- it's I, I don't know. I'm frustrated beyond belief on it, so you know. There are probably some people that are refractory to all information and facts. We have to hope that the somewhere in the middle, the majority of people are uh, reasonably thoughtful and uh, would be able to say, "Yeah, okay, I, I, I see, you know, what the, the the bulk of the evidence suggests." Like for you, I can't even imagine what it must be like for you to be on the inside and know for a fact and have done the things that you've done and seen the things that you've done and see people that fly contrary to you 
and you can't convince them otherwise, how mending that must be. You know? It's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, one of the things about uh, the <laughs> anti-vax movement has been autism and, uh, and its uh, apparent rise. And I, one of the things that I would tell you is that there's something wrong, bro. Okay. We, we we have chronic diseases and other things uh, such as autism that are clearly on the march and we do not quite understand why. But what I would say is that the bulk of the evidence available today suggests that the correlation with uh, the vaccines is a spurious one and uh, we need to look at something else. And um, one of the problems with the, the movement, the anti-vaccine movement is that they've got one thing that they believe is is it and um, I guess that's their right to do mm-hmm. uh, but I'd say uh, scientifically yes I agree I see these these uh, expansions in number of cases and, and something is wrong I just can't tell you what that something is well we've had you on here for a while and um, this is usually a part in the show where I ask you where do you think we're going now? Where do you think, uh, with the current state of things that you see things, gazing into your crystal ball, what do you see coming in the future? What we um, are going to see is is really fast developments with uh, ge- genetic editing and other technologies. And I, I think that we're probably going to, to head into uh, some political confrontations that... Um, the scientific community is reasonably good at managing some of the safety aspects, but uh, should we question, or do we want to? For example, one thing we talked about was the three parent babies. Mm-hmm. On, um, I can't remember if it was on, must have been on uh, Ozone Nightmare. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, Andy Coughlin and, and others said, as soon as they saw that, they said, no, this is where they're going to go. They don't want to use this to necessarily cure this disease, although you know that's how it's starting. They're going to go as an infertility treatment. Sure enough, here we are. And mm-hmm. and so is that something that uh, we will permit in the U.S. right now? It's not FDA approved, uh, but you know, do we want to? The, the, my question would be, how many questions do you want the scientists to answer for you? And we're going to come down very quickly to where a large number of questions are going to be answered for us. Do you want GMO corn, yep. for example? Uh, and one of the things that, that I don't know where you guys stand on some of this. We've, we've talked about Monsanto and glyphosate and other issues with the production of some of these uh, molecules or, or foods. But one of the things that just irritated the living crap out of me was the idea that um, foods correct me if I'm wrong, but foods with GMO products in them don't have to be labeled as such, or they make it very difficult for the I don't the think consumer. they need to be anymore. Yeah, I think at this point that that's... that's um, I think that stood, that yeah. it, it went through Congress, and it's like, you know, let the market determine. Yeah. And, yep. and for me, I want to know what it is, to some extent, what I'm eating. Okay, now I know you guys are, are into organic Twinkies, and things like that. Well, yeah. no, my but, actual stance on all this, I don't <clears throat> mind so much genetically modified organisms because we've been doing genetically modified things 
for a long, long, long time before there was science to it. You know, we've engineered, we've, okay, that corn grows good that way. Okay, let's breed this corn with this corn before it came into the lab. You know, people bred cows a certain way to get a certain kind of cow. So to an extent, we've been doing genetically modified for a long time. My problem is that I get concerned about pesticides, chemical things like that tend to scare me. Um, there you go. That's it's like I don't mind so much that I'm eating, you know, genetically modified corn. It's is it chemically modified? What kind of pesticides are you using? What kind of chemicals? What kinds of things are you doing to this food that way? And is that stuff going to affect us? You know, because we have, as you were saying, there's there's things that are going on. You have autism. Cancer seems to be something that's really on the rise a lot. You know, there there are things going on that they that they can't trace back or. I tend to wonder, this is where I go conspiratorial, is there something out there that we know about, but they're just trying, you know, lobbyists and stuff are, are pushing this stuff off to the side and keeping it hidden in the background. Because if this information, if these things are bad and this stuff gets out there, that's major. You know, it's going to, you have potential economy changing things with companies and things like that. You have a, you have potential huge shifts in the way that we consume food and stuff. So, well, you know, th- these are, these are really critical issues. And the thing that I would say is, when we began with some of these products, it was really a good concept that we would be able to get by with less pesticides. Mm-hmm. That dream hasn't come true. No, because things the, evolve. Yeah. yeah. Things have evolved. Uh, and my worry is similar to yours, that I worry about the use of glyphosate and other things, what kind of ecological impacts that have has. Mm-hmm. Um, the other sort of situation is that if we confine the debate to whether GMO foods are strictly safe for consumption, we miss all the environmental aspect of it. And so as a consumer, I would like to be able to vote and say, no, I don't want that. I I don't want you doing this. I don't want this. And I'm kind of frustrated that the powers that be, and unfortunately that includes our Well, you are starting to see it though. Like for example, uh, Pepsi-Cola changed their formula to where they took aspartame out of it. Now you can still buy it with aspartame and without, but you, you know they changed the head, they changed the differentiates in their diet sodas. Uh, you also had Kraft macaroni and cheese going, and they made a change to their macaroni and cheese to where it was all natural cheeses and stuff. They just didn't tell anybody about it publicly, and then later on they made, oh yeah, we changed it six months ago, six months ago, and nobody's noticed, and blah blah blah. I think to an extent you're starting to see some companies that are actually doing this. Or they're doing it just enough to try to put up the front of, hey, look, we care about what you're saying. We're the good guys. Buy our products. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it could be going that way. I don't know. <laughs> but I've noticed. I don't know. I, I just uh, I object to the idea of uh, we always claim we're free market and then we let the free market run right up to the point where it actually might. Exactly. Exactly. And again, we run into potential obstacles with politics with this kind of stuff. But you have countries overseas where they're like, no, we don't care who you are. You're, you're doing it this way or you're not selling your stuff here. Whereas yeah. in America, it's a completely different thing here. America, it's, you know, I often think our, our government is, is, you know, the, the things that are put out there are, are basically, you know, bought and paid for. Again, what we talked about with the sugar lobby earlier you know, with the fat thing and all that kind of stuff where these sugar lobbies walked in and said, no, 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 you're going to say this and we're going to put this out here and, you know, we've got the money to do this and that's just how it's going to go. You know, and you see it happen with Monsanto and stuff like that. Whether or not GM, wherever your stance is on GMO, they, you know, Monsanto has done some pretty wild stuff. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, let's just say it's interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, the 
technically interesting and interesting in other ways. Yeah. So, um, well, I guess we'll let you go. Um, for one of my dog is going berserk outside. If anybody can hear him barking. Nope. <laughs> uh, Lobo, did you have anything more you wanted to throw at him? I... That's what I thought. I yeah. just like having him on. Wow. Yeah, it's been far too long. It's been yes. far, far too long. So, I want to have uh, you on for an episode of The Spark. Oh. Throwing it out there. <laughs> oh, what are we going to do? I can't say that here. Yeah, he oh. always holds his stuff up. Usually he's, like, Lobo for the longest time didn't want to record solo stuff. Now he is, but his slant now is, I'm going to record it because he gets he records it, and then he throws it to me, and my job is to take what he made. It's like, here, take this chicken shit and make chicken salad out of it. Okay, I'm wow. kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> but he'll just throw it at me and be like, oh, yeah, this is what I did with my show tonight. <laughs> So it, I don't mind, you know, whatever. It's cool. It doesn't bother me. But he's really good at like, no, and you're you're gonna find out just before everybody else finds out, and then everybody else will find out very shortly afterwards. So, <laughs> but anyways, um, Tyler, we're gonna let you go. But as always, don't hang up. Um, okay. It's been far too long since we've had had you on here. It's been fun to talk to you again. Um, there was a whole bunch of other stuff that I wanted to talk to, but if we do, we're going to go into this long offshoot. Like the uh, the guy in ufology that just got busted with child's porn on his computer, and he says the government and put it there. Have you heard about any of that yet? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I follow that on <laughs> on Jack Brewer's blog. Yeah, he's he's been pretty good at updates. So I was gonna. Uh, I guess it's a defense, you know. Uh, yeah, it's we'll about the only see. defense. <laughs> yeah, the government we'll have to did see it. How the- but even as I, I'll briefly shoot into that, but even as I stated earlier, once people get a belief in their head, it's very hard to get it away from him. And he has supporters of that theory. He has a lot of people out there that are saying, oh, yeah, the government did this. He's being framed. Just wish the country would wake up. And it's just like smack in the head. you know. So anyways, uh, Tyler, we're going to let you go. Thanks again for coming on here. Now I want you to talk about your blog because you've never had a blog to talk about up until now. So tell us all about your blog. It's just... Um an opinion blog. It's not journalism. So if uh, your listeners want to come and look at it, what, what it is is basically I, I do not present both sides of an issue. I've just kind of uh, looked at uh, events arising. Uh, I pick a lot of stuff off of the Nature and Science and New York Times uh, Guardian uh, posts and uh, use those to get started. And I, I write things. Uh, it's kind of a Here's some things to think about. These are the implications. And then the references are there so that the reader could go back and look at the primary source that I use for that blog and decide if I'm on target or not and, uh, uh, you know, whether they want to believe what uh, what I take, um, my take on it. It's not, it is not uh, science cheerleading. It, it asks a lot of questions, and there's a lot of things that we need to think about today, CRISPR-Cas, uh, genetic editing being one of them, gene drives being another. And these things are going to come down on us really quickly. And the decisions are going to be made by a relatively small group of uh, people, we hope wise, and, and they certainly will be technically inclined. But it, to my mind, it would be important to try to make your opinions known. If you can write in uh, comments on um, websites, you know, where articles posted or whatnot and, and say that, wait, you forgot about this. Uh, that would be great as far as I'm concerned. So how do because, people find us? Because it's, it's a long title for a, you need to you need to get a by a domain that just points right to it. 
too. Yeah. <laughs> for the most yeah, part. Yeah, sure. Okay. Here's here's the deal. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it's a WordPress. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Our old our old project archives. No, no. What no. what matters is it's free. All oh, right. Yeah. So there's there ain't no charge for nothing. And the second that I'm charged for space, it poof, it goes away. No, you don't pay for the space. You just pay for a you pay for a domain, and and that costs like I don't know. It's under it's it's under fifty a year. So uh-huh. they type in, they can type in tylercokejohn.com and it'll point right to that site. So you're, all you're paying for is the domain, not the web space. Yeah, My God, man, do you not understand how technology works? I don't. <laughs> and especially when it costs me money, I'm just very refractory. Oh, my to God. Learn. Here's the problem. Your site is called <laughs> synthetic-genetic-shakespeare's.wordpress.com. That's synthetic, That's easy enough. Yeah, but trying to type synthetic-genetic-shakespeare's in itself. You have to type it once and then save the page. It's like, here, here's my website. It's a goddamn paragraph. Just type it in. But it's okay. Do I have to draw you a picture? It <laughs> okay. keeps the flat earthers I mean, out because they can't spell it. I will have a link to it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do everything around here. I will have a link to it in our show notes for this page. So anybody who listens to the show, they can go to projectarchivist.com, go to this episode, and there will be a link to your blog. Yeah, I'm putting it on our Project Archivist uh, Facebook page right now. Yeah. Well, if you guys notice, I think I linked to your blog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I saw it. It's it's a great name for a blog, but it's just like... You, know, you need you need to have publishing rights to put in the damn domain address. <laughs> Hopefully, us making a big deal about it will make people want to go there. But it's synthetic genetic Shakespeare's all one word dot wordpress dot com forward slash a bunch of other crap that you don't need to type in until you actually get to the site. It's HTT. There's no www.com either. It's you just type in synthetic genetic Shakespeare's, which is at dot wordpress dot com. Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's, it's, our, uh, it's on our Facebook page. You just click on it and it goes right there. So oh, go. Oh. Facebook. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to go on Facebook. We got that covered. You, don't you, worry. You can stay out of there. <laughs> don't, don't worry. worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you ain't going there. Don't uh-huh. worry there. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. All right, Tyler. Thanks for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. And as uh, we didn't go down as many dark paths this time as normal, so you do. Oh, we got plenty of time if you want to do that. Oh no, <laughs> we'll do that again, though. We will do it another time. Okay. But uh, as always, thank you for being out there, and thanks, thank you brother. for coming on here I and sharing hope, with us. Uh, people enjoy the discussion. Don't don't get too worried about stuff, um, but do learn about it. Yeah, we ain't dead yet. We're getting there, but we ain't dead yes. yet. <laughs> Take care, man. Thanks a lot. We all have questions. What happens after we die? Is Bigfoot real? Is my government hiding aliens from us? We all have stories. Join experienced paranormal investigators JP Doyle. They need to make this where there's a hole on the top for your penis. John Gonzalez. It's the same, but my ass is brown. And Roman Avia. Got some underage pictures of me. (laughs) (laughs) While we talk all things paranormal, with just a pinch of humor. Find our show, The Just Paranormal Podcast, on all major podcast outlets. And be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes. Tell us a story, Ranger Chat. Oh, okay. I could tell you about the time I locked eyes with Sasquatch, or about my brush with the elusive Chupacabra. Then there was that encounter with the Mothman. Yeah, tell us about the Mothman. 
Of course, I once saw a lake monster and a sea monster on the same day. Wow! That's not even taking all the ghosts, aliens, and UFOs into account. You've seen all that as a park ranger? <laughs> no, son. Those are the creatures I've encountered in my cryptid crate. What's a cryptid crate? Cryptid Crate is a monthly subscription box that arrives on your doorstep each and every month. It's filled with various cryptozoology and paranormal themed items such as t-shirts, hats, art, media, and other collectibles. I want a Cryptid Crate. Yeah, I want one too. You can get yours by visiting www.cryptidcrate.com. Sign up is quick and easy and shipping is always free. I can't wait to get my Cryptid Crate, but for now, how about that story? God, it's good to talk to that guy again. Absolutely. I've Every missed, time. Uh, I've missed talking to him. I've really, uh, <clears throat> I've, I've missed chatting with him. It's been a while. I think it's been over, it's been over a year. It's been a while. Has I, it been I, that long? I think so. Because we've been, we're coming up on, we're almost at a year at the, on this server since we switched over oh, to Podbean wow. from one of WordPress. So time has flown. I think, I think November will be a year, maybe. Wow, or no shit. is it September? I sure. I don't know. We've got a decent amount of episodes on here since we've jumped over here. And I have had a few people take me up and send me thumb drives. And I've I've put all of the back episodes and stuff on the thumb drive. And but here, you know, blah, blah, and mailed them out to people. Because usually people contact me in private and say, hey, I'm going to order this off Amazon and send you a thumb drive. And they have. Um, but I was going through and looking through all these episodes. Now, I'm not going to discuss it now. We're not going to discuss it here. I'll touch on it very briefly and be vague about it. And I deliberately am going to be vague. There was an episode that we did at one time, which stirred up a lot of controversy. And uh, I tried to push it off to the side and forget about it and say, you know what? I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I've thought a lot about it. And I think I'm just going to say to hell with it. And I think we're going to go back and touch on it again. And I think I'm going to throw it back out there as a best of, and we're going to record a little bit before it. And we're going to get, when we actually do that show, we're going to talk a lot about extensively about that, you know, at the beginning of the show. Because, again, we've got a lot of people that haven't heard it in a long time or people that are new to the show and maybe haven't heard it. And it was a pretty, of all the episodes we've done, it was, crazy enough, the most controversial episode, at least for me, because we caught so much grief from it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave that as a teaser, and we'll get back to that later. Now, again, next week there may not be a show. There might. It might be a solo show, but you are already <laughs> saying that you're going to do another solo show. Yep. So I'm a little surprised by the output because it's it's kind of forcing me to step up my game. <laughs> to, well, to I got you. I got to get you to be able to call me an asshole again. So. Oh, come on. What? Come on. What? <laughs> Hollywood. Bad thing. Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's a running joke. <laughs> uh, I will say that your episodes are becoming very thematic as far as, as like when you talk to people, you dig deeper into them. They're they're more of um your interview chops have come a long way and you're becoming much more natural at what you do. Um because for when you first were doing this stuff, you you were much more stiffer. I think you've become more relaxed and have your own thing for it now. Again wait until I do my black magic episode. When Everybody, like, with a lot of people said, oh, my, you know, why are you guys doing this kind of separate stuff? What people, like, again, we've said it before, is you just record the show. I'm the one. You, then you give it to me, yep. and then I, I do my part of it, and I add stuff in there, music and sound effects, and go through and edit it and make it sound good and stuff like that. So even though we're not together on the episode, we still kind of are together on the episode. Yep. You know, it's just I produce your episodes a little bit different, I think. Maybe it's yep. on my head. And it no, seems it's different. To, it seems to work. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I like it. it. I haven't had complaints yet. But, uh, 
Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I should have put this at the beginning of the show. If you heard car noises and stuff like that, I don't know. Did you hear any car noises Man. coming through? No. no. We've got a classic dream car cruise going like a block and a half away from me. Yeah, we got a cruise night going on right now, too. Yeah, well, I'm really close to the main street that the cruise night goes on. And then in nice. my neighborhood, as I've stated in earlier shows, I've got a lot of Make America Great Again people, and a lot of these people oh, have yay. hardcore monster vehicles that are extremely loud, which normally doesn't bother me, but at 4 o'clock in the morning when you hear some guy flying down the road in a tea bucket with you know modified exhaust, it's like, oh, God. And being that I'm in my office, I'm roasting to death, and I had to have the fan turn off because everybody will hear it. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope this doesn't go through. I hope this doesn't go through. My dog's freaking out in the background. He wants to no eat. No one hears like, anything. Oh, God. Typical arc of this show. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah. Um, I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to say, but I'm just cooked right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. August is both wide open and booking up at the same time. I will say that next month we're definitely doing our fast food show. We're going to be a little bit off on it, but Brewer's coming back on, and we're going to do our fast food madness show. And no, for the last time, we are not going to do any more this year in Fecal Matter shows. We may have a hiccup uh, during August, but... That's okay. I'm, the, this uh, we're whole either last one going is... away for... I'm either going away for vacation or I'm getting surgery. I'm not sure yet. Whoa, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, this whole last month has been a crazy hiccup for both of us, and how I've managed to keep this show going has is, is been has been beyond me how I've managed to pull this off <laughs> and still keep Project Archivist going as a thing because every single day it was something crazy and new going on in my life or the internet or something like that I'm like oh my god but like I dropped the two episodes this week I dropped the UFO one uh, with uh, with Michael because it was like well if I don't drop this when am I going to have time to fit it in there so I threw the ep- extra episode in mm-hmm but, uh, you know, we're babbling, and uh, I'm tired, so i got to get this thing going. And uh, I think that's it for the week. I know as soon as I get done recording, I'm going to be like, what the hell did I forget to talk about? <laughs> so, anyways, um, that's it. This is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. This is Lobo from Connecticut. Hugs are beneficial to drink, and they make you feel good. Hugs are beneficial to what? Drink. You never had a little hug? Beneficial to drink. What are you talking? That doesn't make any sense. You've never had a little hug. I've had lots of hugs, but I don't... Oh, no, no. Little hug fruit barrels. You've never had a little hug? Oh, my God. I haven't seen those in ages. I didn't oh know my they God, sold those out where you were. We have them here all the time. Every, I've been buying these for weeks on end. The kids are drinking them like they're crack. I thought you meant, like, somebody coming up and giving you a little hug. I did. That's why I said both things. This is just one of the stupid show <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. All right. Peace, I want folks. A <laughs> peace. Bye. I don't know.
Bastard. I can't fly too. It's a tuber. <laughs>